Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, John Kelly here with the king of Kentucky backpacking, Mr. Jeremiah Stringer. Good to see you. It's, it's been a joy. It has been a joy. These last three weeks' episodes... Yeah. Just been fun, man. Yeah. It's it's been fun. We 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 try over Christmas break, and I say Christmas break because Jeremiah is a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh we try to get together at one of our houses and and do some batch recording as we like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um and we've done three episodes here yeah. at the house, here yeah. at the Casa de Kelly. Yeah, we kind of mapped them out and we have something special coming up. We do. In three weeks, three weeks from Monday, two days ago. Yeah. We will be having our 200th episode uh, extravaganza, birthday party, amazing, fun, greatness. We're going to have guests. Yeah. We're going to do some memories of some old episodes, and uh, I feel like we should do some kind of giveaway. You think we could do a giveaway by then? Yeah, I think so. That'd be, what, January 29th, 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. It's been a couple weeks now, but... uh... What a way to kick off the new year, man. The 200th episode of the Backpacking Podcast. 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about that, man. How many hours of talking is that? Way too many hours for people to like our voices. I there. know. Like, you all still tune in, which is crazy to think about. <laughs> but uh, I, I think we're going to have some special guests. We'll probably be reaching out to a few friends and saying, hey, get on here and be with us on this one. And uh, actually, I think it would be fun. Yeah. Is if we had them roast us. <laughs> That'd be funny. I, I mean, that. if we were able to get our good friends who've been on this episode, I mean, if we can get a hold of some of the guys that have been guests and some of the ladies that have been guests on here. Mm-hmm. I-, I think we could get roasted for a Yeah, night. and if you're watching on YouTube, um, you can comment below and tell us if you have any ideas or some of your favorite memories if you've been a long-time listener of the podcast or anything like that that you would like to see as part of our little 200th extravaganza, then by all means, hit us up and let us know. Yeah, and we will be live in the same room that night. Uh, I'm going to be traveling down to uh, Somerset, Kentucky, to the uh, homestead of the Stringers. Yes, so I can't wait. But you want to talk about today's episode? Yeah, let's talk about today's episode because... Um, should I give my opinion first or should I keep that to myself? Well, hold on. This episode is the don'ts of tent camping. I know you're a hammocker. You know what the first so, don't is. You, you can't just start by saying, don't buy a tent. It's an easy don't. <laughs> Do you own a tent? I own like six tents. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I, and honestly, I, I did something this year 
and I did it on purpose. Yeah, what's it? I only tent camped, camped for the entire summer. Yeah, why did you do that? Because I told my viewers and subscribers mm-hmm. in my last video in March, which was also the last video I made this year, <laughs> that I would only tent camp for the summer, and then I would be able to actually give advice on tents. Yeah. Because that's all I used for the entire summer. And I did come out with a favorite tent. Yeah, what, which tent is that? Um, I'm not going to say because I want to do a video about it. Oh, okay. All so, right. All right. Touche. Touche. But so, I, I had one tent that I really liked. And well, that's saying something for me. Yeah, I have mm, probably about the same number of tents. But everybody has, like, if you have multiple tents, you have, like, a go-to, yeah. typically. And my go-to is the Duplex L. If I'm being honest, because it's the lightest and uh, it's the most space, like it's a it's the balance for me. But I actually have a list here of some don'ts that if I were tent camping, these are things that I would avoid. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. So I want to get your opinion on some of these and see what you have to add. I can do it. I can talk. Let's go. All right. Ready. So my first one is not buying the right size tent. The right size tent. Or it doesn't even have to be the right size. It could be the right season rating. Ah, yeah, yeah. It could be, it could be a tent that's so you're out of the appropriate tent. Yeah, because like, for me, I have a YouTube channel about backpacking, and that is going to enable me to get some tents that the average consumer, it might be out of their budget, or it might not be applicable to the way that they backpack. Maybe they only go with. Um, their spouse or maybe they take a kid with them all the time and I'm going solo every time. So I'm always bringing a one or two person where they might need a three person or maybe they only go out in good weather. And maybe for me, I'm trying out different pieces of gear. So I want to get out in some of that bad weather. Right, right, right. It all depends on your needs, but I would say buying the right tent. That's like number one. If you buy the wrong tent, the rest are don'ts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would say there are three things that you look for when you're buying a tent. Mm-hmm. Cost, quality, and then situation yeah. is what I'd use for the other part. Um, what kind of situation are you mostly going to be backpacking in? Yeah. Is it mostly going to be like spring, summer, fall? You're not really going to do any winter backpacking? Mm-hmm. Well, that opens you up to a lot cheaper tents, in all honesty, mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot lighter tents mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, what's the weather like where you are? Uh, there's also the, the ability, there are a lot of budget options for tents. The problem yeah. with YouTube, and I say this as someone who has a YouTube channel, at least pretends like he still has a YouTube channel. Um, there, there's this thing where you watch these YouTubers mm. and like the duplex L yeah. $700 think, tent. I think you got to have one yeah. because you saw that this person has one and they liked it. Yeah. It's a $700 tent. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got a $700 tent. It's the Durson X mid pro two. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a twenty ounce tent, yeah. But it's seven hundred bucks. And you're probably not going to try to push that on somebody if if you have a buddy that's going with you and they're like, "What kind of tent should I buy?" You probably wouldn't say, "Yeah, start with the uh, start with this one." But on the same on the same front, I've got the Gossamer Gear the two, mm-hmm. which is like two hundred to two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, a lot more budget friendly. Still expensive though. Still, but in the world tents, it's not. You know, yeah. and and will it do pretty much everything that like the duplex will do? Pretty much because it's almost the same tent yeah um it's just made with still nylon instead of uh dyneema Mm -hmm. so you know it's just i think the factors you got to worry about is can i afford it Mm -hmm. um is it quality and and what's the situation i'm going into because you can buy inexpensive quality tents 
And what about those land chains? Those were really popular, and they were cheap. And they're good. They I mean, they really done. are. I, I know several people that have land chain tents. That's all they've used for years. Yeah, it's almost like a Chinese copycat of like uh, some of the nicer tents that are made here it, in the states, it's or at least basically, outsourced. From basically, it looks like a lot of the Z-Pax tents, just not made with Dyneema. Yeah. Now, I will tell you though, one good thing about a lot of this more expensive gear is the resale value. It's kind of like you know a, a nice vehicle. Right. The the resale value, if you're going to sell it on Facebook Marketplace or one of these gear groups or something, if you have a duplex, you probably can get back several hundreds of dollars for it. You know, if you try oh, yeah. out, oh, yeah. if you try something out and you don't like it, a lot of times you can't just return it. It's not like this is REI and you didn't like it, so you can just bring it back. Well, and, and backpacking gear is like anything else. As many people that like it, there's almost an equal amount of people that don't. I agree. All so. right. Second one, your tent stakes. So this is just a quickie. Some people put their tent stakes backward. They, yeah, that's dumb. Yeah. The, it has to be angled away from your tent, and it has to be where the notch is facing away from your tent. So yeah. there's actually something for your loop to grab onto. Well, not only that, but you have to have tension. That's the only way guy lines work. Yeah. No tension, guy lines are worthless. Mm-hmm. And if you aim it, the other way, it's really hard to get tension because you'll pull the stake right out of the ground mm-hmm. with any tension. So they have to be facing, they have to go at an angle opposite of where they're aimed. And do you bring, it doesn't work. Do you carry a rubber mallet with you to pound your stakes down? No. Yeah, what do you use? Most times my feet, even though people say not to do it, I've never had really a problem Why with it. Why people say not to do it? They think it's going to puncture your shoe? Well, well, no, they think you're going to bend the stake. Uh, well, I guess you could on so, hard ground. I've I've only had a couple stakes that have ever bent on me. It was more because of the ground than it was my foot pushing it in. But yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that will take, um, like if they've got a, a gator, they'll set the gator over the stake and they will hit it with a rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that picked up. I moved my head for some reason. I'm like over here talking like this because you know that's really useful. Um, uh, you sounded good. But uh, they they'll they'll do that so they don't destroy the stake with the rock. You know because rocks can beat up a stake pretty bad. Yeah. Some people don't care and they just beat the stake with a rock. That's what I do. You know, um, I buy extens- expensive lightweight stakes and then destroy them. Beat the rocks. tar out of them. Yeah, and then when they break, I buy new ones. And they do, they will break. Oh, they will. They will. I, I actually um, <laughs> I guess it was like October twenty two. Uh, my buddy Sean and I went to the YouTuber meetup mm-hmm. uh, at the Red River Gorge, and uh, he had some of the uh, groundhogs. And there was a video by Dan Becker that had just come out saying how indestructible those tent stakes were and that he's never seen one broken and all this. And my buddy Sean, um, he had watched that video, and so he had gotten groundhogs for that those, reason. Those are good stakes. He broke one that day. Oh, they'll break. He broke it. He they're absolutely seen. broke it. So there's nothing there's nothing backpacking-wise that's indestructible. No. No, definitely so, not. But definitely aim right. in the right way. Uh, next one, my little hack is I bring a water bottle, kind of like the one that I have on camera now, mm-hmm. and then if you drink a little bit of the water, it creates a bubble, and then you can use your water bottle as a level on the ground so you can find yourself a nice, flat, level spot to set your tent up. And sometimes it's flat, but not level. I tell people all the time, flat-ish is the goal. Yeah. You're never going to find truly flat. No, not unless you're in a, like a campground or something. Yeah, and even then, you're not guaranteed. Right. Um, it, but flat-ish. You know, find something yeah. where uh, you're not going to have the kind of incline where you're going to slide down throughout the night. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, there's nothing worse than waking up in the morning and your head is up against the tent and it's con- there's been condensation. <laughs> yeah, like this. And when you turn your head, <laughs> you're just wet. Like everything yeah. is wet. You know, there's there's nothing worse than that. Um, so I, I think flat-ish enough that there's not a, an incline that's going to yeah. cause a problem. And one thing you can do to help combat that is if you have to set up somewhere that's not as flat as you'd like. You can tuck something under your pad to kind of level it out. You can, yeah. Even even if it's, um, you know, like your empty backpack or something. Or raincoat even. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, though. Be careful the way that you position your tent because I remember one time, and this isn't tent, but it's still related to the flat and level. One time, Nurse Ratchet, who is in my trail family on the long trail. Look at that callback. Nurse a little, Ratchet. A little long trail from you there. So we were at, at one point in the shelter and the incline, she had her feet higher than her head and she slept like that on her back. And then she woke up the next morning. Oh, her headache. And it made her vomit. She like woke oh, yeah. up and then had to throw up. And I guess it's because of the food and like the backpacking food that we'd eaten. It had been sitting on her esophagus or like just the top of her stomach. And I don't know, but she definitely threw it all up. Oh, right outside the shelter. That's I, awful. I imagine the same thing can happen with your tent. So, I don't know. Do you prefer your feet elevated, or do you prefer your head elevated, or like just totally flat as possible? In a tent, I mm. tend to go flat. Okay. But in a hammock, I want my feet up just a little bit. Well, not, sometimes my feet would be swelled up on the long trail, and I would put something under them. Like, yeah. uh, you know, if I'm sleeping in a shelter, I might take my tent that's still in the the bag mm-hmm. and put it under my knees or something just to elevate my legs yeah. a little bit. I know for me, I don't, I don't think about it as much in a tent just because I'm always turning and I, I don't sleep like without moving. Like yeah. I'm, I'm moving all night long, I think. But in a hammock, I make sure my feet are up just a little bit. I don't move a lot in a hammock. Yeah. Maybe it's just cause I'm cocooned and I feel like I'm getting that, that hug from nature mm-hmm. and I'm just loving it, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't move. But uh, when I'm in a tent, I don't really worry about Elevating my feet as much. Uh, you enjoy being wrapped up in that bear burrito. You've got that right, buddy. All right. Uh, my next one is not pitching your tent at home before taking it on trail. And yeah. I, always, I always say this is a big no-no because if it's raining, the best way you can get everything wet is setting up your tent in the rain very slowly because you have no idea what you're doing. You're just excited. You want to get out there. You don't think it's going to rain. And then you get into camp later than you thought you would. Yeah, man. <laughs> and then it, you do get, it does get wet out there. And then here you are stuck in this bad situation. That's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, I cannot count how many pieces of gear I've never used before until I made it on trail. I don't oh, know, I, just I've done it too, but I think a tent's a little different. <laughs> it's the pot calling the kettle black yeah, here. <laughs> but I, I think a tent, I think a tent is different. Like, I mean, do it in your living room if you have to, you know, unless it's a trekking pole tent. You know, if you've got a semi-freestanding or a freestanding tent, set it up in your living room. Yeah. Clear out the floor, set it up. Just yeah. and do it three or four times and then put it away and be ready for your trip. <laughs> it's it's really once you've set a tent up a couple times, yeah, it's really not that hard. Most tents anymore are pretty predictable. Like most of your freestanding tents. Mm. They all set up the same. Yeah, no, Most of your trekking pole tents, they all pretty much set up the same. And some of them are color coordinated. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like it might have a pole, but then the end of the pole is blue. And then the grommet that you put it in is blue. Well, did I tell you the one time I was up at the gorge and I was just backpacking by myself? I'm sitting at the, at my, I had a fire going. And I'm sitting in my chair and then I, I hear someone go, Excuse me, 
are you on YouTube? And I was like, yeah. They go, oh, man, I love your videos. Like, oh, great, man. Where are you camping? And he pointed up on the hill. Like, oh, great, man. I'll... So you get bored. Like, Come on down. We'll hang out at the fire and talk, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. So I, I look up a few minutes later, and he's trying to set his tent up. And I could tell he is, he is on the struggle bus. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. So I, I walked up. And I helped him set his tent up. He was actually putting the fly on upside down and backwards. And like, there was just a lot going on there. And so I helped him out and got it done. And, uh, he ended up coming down and hanging out and we ended up talking all night. We actually, I just got a a message from him the other day asking how things are going, but, um, it would have been really bad for him if I hadn't been there. You know what I mean? Like if there wasn't somebody like me there that could have helped him, Mm. there's no telling how that tent would have got set up. Well, maybe you would have figured it out. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, what about not bringing an essential part of your tent? Like maybe you forget. Oh man. <laughs> Have you I, ever forgot a piece of your tent? I do a checklist with every trip. Oh really? I have a checklist on my phone. Okay. I uncheck every item before I, before I start going through my stuff. I lay this floor that we're, we got this table set up on right now. Uh-huh. All of my gear goes on the floor and I've got it sectioned off. I've got shelter, sleep system, clothing, food, electronics, and it's all laid out on my floor. Mm-hmm. And I go through and I check it off the list to make sure I've got everything with me. And if it's not there, I don't pack the bag. Until I have everything I need, I don't pack anything. Um, and it's for that reason. It's tedious, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what would be worse than going and bringing your tent and you don't have the poles? Yeah. Or you... going and you have no stakes. <laughs> have you ever seen somebody that didn't have the poles? Yes. They have, they have to like set it up under a tree, but tie different parts. Crow flies hiking. He had Brad to do that? Felton. Brad Felton recently, he's wow. got a trekking pole tent. Way to oust him, man. Well, he, he put it in his video. No, he oh, put okay, it in his video. Okay. He, I, I know this not because he told me. I watched it. <laughs> okay. He didn't bring trekking poles. And he had a trekking pole tent. Oh, yeah. He missed. Well, So he had to find large branches. Yeah, you'd have to cut them and, or break and, them and to size. Set, and set up his tent that way. And he pulled it off, but it was a pain in the butt, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and you talk about thinking on the fly, though. I mean, that's Brad. He's He's a lawyer, yeah. you know, he's a, he's a brilliant man. Yeah. But you know, you forget things if you don't have something, some fail safe to mm-hmm. keep you from forgetting stuff. Yeah. I have a checklist too, and I will, I'll, I'll go through it, but I don't like, for me, it's too tedious to lay everything out. And I try to store all my stuff that I typically take all in like a couple of bins. And then when I'm ready to go, I take that same stuff, but you know, stuff gets like, um, you know, you might be cleaning one thing and then you forget to put it back or something gets set somewhere else or, you know, maybe your spouse put it up and then yeah. you forget to put it back in the right spot or whatever. And then you just forget it. Like I've forgotten my steaks before and I've had to borrow a couple, make a couple. Because right. some of those tents, you know, like we've said in the past, you can't set them up without steaks. Yeah. So you do what you can, I guess. You do what you can with what you got. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's another one for you. Not checking for widowmakers. Oh so my will gosh! You, will you tell me what that even means? What is it? What is a widowmaker? Okay. Basically, it's it's a branch or a tree above you mm-hmm. that's dead. Yeah, and it, and it has you, the potential that if there's a high wind or it rains or somebody bumps into the tree, mm-hmm. that that branch will fall and turn your wife into a widow. Yes, or your husband. Widower. Yes. So it yeah. could be a widower maker. Oh, is widower? Yeah, is whenever the it's a husband. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, but but I mean, we know from um. Oh shoot, American Perimeter Trail. What? What's his name? 
Oh, Rue McKenrick. Rue McKenrick. Yeah. Rue got a concussion. Oh, yeah. And had a Widowmaker land on his hammock. Yeah, knocked him out and he woke up knocked wrapped him out cold. up. Yeah, wrapped he's, up. Said he slept there for like four, not slept, but like woke up. He was unconscious later. for 14 hours yeah. or something crazy like it was, that. It was an insane amount of time. Yeah, and, and it was because he didn't check. And he said from that point forward, he always looked. Mm-hmm. But he lived through it. Like, could have died. It, it could have been, if it, it probably a couple inches one way or the other, he probably would have been dead. Yeah. And we wouldn't have the American Perimeter Trail. You or Rue McKenrick, who is way too entertaining to be dead. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, but, but you know, it, it's very important you do that. Whether it's a tent or a hammock, it doesn't matter. You need to look. You know, one thing that I don't think anybody, I'm saying from personal experience, I don't think most people think about, because I never considered it until one time I was with somebody and they said, could you imagine if one of those trees fell? And I was like, I never even thought of that, dude. Whenever, where we were camped, it was like a nice flat bottom. You know, you're in a valley, and then all around you, you're kind of like there's hills or mountains or wherever. Right. And you don't think about if there's a really tall tree across the creek on the hill, and you're sleeping, that tree can fall from over there towards you, and you never even knew, you never even thought about it. I was it. in the Smoky Mountains with my buddy Josh, uh-huh. and we had to hike this thing. It was a little river trail. And I mean, it was, it was a, it was a nice hike. It was was like six or seven miles and you hike uphill to your campsite. Uh The campsite is the payoff. The campsite is a peninsula between three branches of a river. And so it's so cool. You hear the water rushing all night and all that kind of stuff. Well, we're setting up for camp and all of a sudden we hear, bam. And we watched this tree across the creek, just random tree fall and it wiped out everything in its path and i mean that was that was one of those times you're like oh yeah i need to check for widowmakers yeah and you'd think let me just look up around me Mm -hmm. but that sometimes well and this is something to think about when you're hiking too if if you're going out after it's rained for like days or weeks Mm -hmm. in an area that means there's no integrity in the ground so because there's no integrity of the ground that means the roots can lift up and a tree can fall. That's yeah. why you have trees that fall across trails. A lot of times they're not dead trees. Yeah. A just lot of times the just there's no integrity in the ground because it's so washed up from all the rain that the trees fall. Mm-hmm. And so be aware of that. If you're gonna if you're gonna go somewhere, I would not camp somewhere where there's a hill nearby, like near your your tent, and trees that are standing up on hills that are potentially gonna have loose gravel or loose uh, dirt. Yeah, where those trees could fall. I mean, we say that, but I feel like it'd be hard to find a spot to camp at. That I mean, there's no matter what you well, do, you're just trying to mitigate risk. Well, let's right? let's let's take the Red River Gorge for instance. Mm-hmm. I would camp on a ridge at that point. Yeah, I wouldn't camp drier. down below. I would go up to higher ground mm-hmm. and on a ridge line where it's flat ground, mm-hmm. where the trees aren't sitting in an angle where they could fall. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. I, I think I think you just kind of have to think through those things. Yeah, definitely something to consider for sure. Yeah. All right, you ready for another one? Yeah, let's go. Okay, not ventilating your tent properly. <laughs> yes. Have you been there? Yes. I. My first experience with not ventilating properly. <laughs> Did it get wet in there? Okay. <laughs> A little condensation? Let's say that it's it was 80 degrees. Uh-huh. I was camped out after hiking for... 18 miles. I was warm. 
And when we got to camp, it began raining the immediate moment we got there. So the tent gets set up. I never got a chance to cool down. But I had to go into the tent immediately. Did not ventilate it properly. And so while the rain is hitting the tent, I'm getting rained on by the condensation that my body heat has (laughs) created inside the tent. (laughs) Yeah, you get rained on twice, dude. It falls from the roof. And that's exactly what I was dealing with in my situation. Yeah. So it happens. You've got to, if you don't ventilate, it's amazing how quickly condensation can build up. Yeah, it's hard to say how to ventilate properly because every tent is different, you know? Right. Like, uh, you know, it could be (laughs) that um, you need to leave a door open. It could be that you have to open a zipper or a vent that's on top or maybe Velcro something back. It just right. depends on what kind of tent that you have. And also the setup matters too. Like It really does, you yeah. Can, you can change the pitch of some tents to ventilate them more or less. But I always tell everybody, you know, if you're, if you're worried about condensation stuff, then you need to research your tent ahead of time and make sure you're venting it as efficiently as possible. Um, but that I think that's about all that you can do. Yeah. I, I, make sure if any venting that your tent can do, do it. You know, I mean, it, and it, within reason. I mean, if you've got sideways rain, obviously one side of your tent, you want to make sure you're not leaving it vented right, because right, you're right. going to get soaked from that. But yeah. uh, any venting you can do, you do it. It It's not going to make you freeze. No, no. Um, what about not setting your tent up far away, far far enough away from other people? I just wear earplugs, so it doesn't matter to me. I have had uh, people set up right next to me. And, like, <laughs> I think I told the story on here before of us having to find a camp spot because we were going to hike in the gorge. And then there's some teenagers or, like, young adults that were all drinking. And then yeah. the next morning at 6, they were literally 5 feet, 4 feet outside my tent, like, stomping beer cans, cleaning up. And my wife was asleep in the tent next to me. And I had to get up and say something. I usually am at, like in the woods with just friends, but I still like to try to stay away from everybody because I want to be able to. I backpack with you enough to know, like, <laughs> you're gonna find... be you're gonna be a good hundred yards away. <laughs> I I want to be able to play my phone out loud if I have to, you know. I do the same thing. I don't like wearing earbuds in my in my hammock. Yeah, you don't like that? I don't like it. I'd rather be able to just play the play the, the sound of the movie I'm watching. Yeah, and I've I've used AirPods in my hammock or tent and then woke up and I was laying on top of it and I'm like, oh my ear hurts so yeah. sore. Or it fell down into the hammock. Oh yeah, it's a and black I gotta hole. go find that stupid thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You find it the next morning. Yeah. yeah. But no, I get that. Like being away from other people, I think that's the ideal anyways. Yeah, just the courtesy of it and your own privacy. And honestly, that's why I'm not like one of these people that wants to do the Appalachian Trail. Very social. It's yeah, very, I don't mind the social, social part, but I, I look and it's like tent city Dude, everywhere. I've slept in shelters where you have somebody. You, I mean, you can't walk into your onto your pad like from the side. You have to crawl and then you're touching shoulders with somebody on each side. Well, when I went to Grayson Highlands, it was that way. It gets tired. I mean, you're, 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 there's no like... There's just so many people, mm-hmm. so many people. I remember we did a, a campfire at, when we went up to Grayson Highlands, and there were probably 20 people around that fire. There were five of us in our group. Wow. 
but we just had a community fire and we just yeah. ended up talking to all these people, you know? Yeah. And if you're going to be part of the community fire and you didn't start it, bring a little firewood. Yeah. <laughs> PSA. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a real good idea. <laughs> okay. What about this one? This is something that I found online and didn't even think about it. Um, but I was like, that would be really good to go into the video is where you set your tent up depending on weather and season. For example, yes, in the wintertime, you might want to set your tent up in the sun or in the summertime, you might want to set it up in the shade for obvious reasons, heat or um, well, not heat. And, and I would say too, like in the wintertime, you don't want to set up next to a body of water because the yeah. humidity from that mm -hmm. um, getting into the air, you're going to deal more with frost, condensation, stuff like that. Um, or wind, like that's another big one. You know, if you're, if it's colder out, you may not want to set up where there's going to be a breeze coming through. Yeah. You may or want to set ridge. up. Yeah. Now in the summertime, maybe you do want to set up where there's a breeze coming through because at least in Kentucky, it could be 90 degrees out mm -hmm. and you're going to want that. So being strategic where you literally sit your tent up relative to the situation that you're in. Absolutely. I didn't, I I think that's kind of the best way that I could find to articulate that. But it's something that I hadn't really considered until I was researching for this video. Maybe right. I was doing it kind of like subconsciously anyway, you know, making decisions on trips and stuff. Yeah. And actually putting it up. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Last one. This is a good one. This is a great one. Not checking the ground for debris before setting up your tent. Yeah. You want to make sure you don't have things that are going to poke holes in your tent. Now, yeah, I'm going to be honest pet. with you. I know myself well enough to know that I can always miss something. Mm -hmm. So I always have a ground sheet. I never yeah. don't have a ground sheet. Do you get in your tent or like open the door and fill around yeah. under it before yeah. you like actually get in there? And I start? try to. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Now, do you move the stuff? Like if there's leaves and stuff and it's wintertime or fall, do you move the leaves or do you leave them for insulation? Or are you worried? I had some people say they don't like to move anything, especially during the warmer seasons because they think it will stir up or like, like ticks, fleas, mites, stuff that would be on the ground. They think that moving the leaves would expose you. To I wouldn't it. care about it on a campground. Yeah. I mean, I, I would get that if you were wild camping mm -hmm. or, or stealth camping. Because where you're going is not a campground, you know. If you're doing it at a campground, that stuff's been moved. Yeah, that stuff's, they're not building homes in like five minutes. So, well, let's say that you're in the woods and there's leaves, and you're setting your tent up. Do you move all those leaves out of the way to check for sticks or stuff, or do you put down on top of the leaves and say, "I don't want to move all that because I know there's ticks and stuff, and that provides a, a barrier for me." What kind of berry are you getting, though? I mean, they can get through leaves. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I don't, just I don't, this is just stuff that I've read in the comments. That's an odd question. If you're using permethrin and mm -hmm. all your stuff, you know, you shouldn't have any worries about ticks anyways, right? I don't know. Because permethrin will kill them. Well, I mean, I've treated stuff with permethrin and still gotten tick bites. On the, on the clothing that had permethrin on it? Yeah. I've never had that. You must not have you done never, it well. <laughs> I know how to use permethrin. I'm just, I mean, I'm just. It could be user error. Also, like it's only guaranteed for so many washes. Well, yeah, stuff. yeah. So, you know, I'm pretty lazy. If I trade it once, I'm like, okay, same time next year, baby. Now, now I will tell you, <laughs> I will tell year. you, man. I usually do two or three times a year. Yeah. It depends on how many trips I've been going on. I'll be honest with that. But uh, I never did in the wintertime. But then when we talked to the Tick Terminator. Yeah. 
I'm going, uh, maybe I need to start spraying in the wintertime. He freaked me out. I'm going to yeah. be honest. He freaked me out, man. Yeah, but I don't... Well, we did pull a tick off of one of our dogs recently, but I feel like that's a little bit different. But, you know, the dogs, you every time you uh, give them a bath once a month, you're flea and tick treating them. So. Yep, you are. And it's cold out, and we still pulled that tick off, so I don't know. But I don't see many ticks in the winter anyway. I, I don't either, but I will, I will say, I mean, if you don't want to deal with ticks... Treat your gear, mm-hmm. you know, that that wouldn't be a fear. I but, but I would say be careful of sticks and rocks, especially pointy rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, what I think it's worse for, this is just me personally, is have you ever gotten out of your, getting ready to get out of your tent, realized that you didn't know there was a rock in a certain place in your tent and put your knee on it? No. I have. <laughs> you went home injured? That was way worse than like... <laughs> Like sleeping on a crick. No, this is worse. Like, I mean, I had this bruise on my knee because I got off my, I got off my uh, sleeping pad and you know, you, how you crawl out of your tent. Yeah. Well, I put my knee down and didn't realize that there was one little rock. It wasn't very big, maybe an inch in diameter, but it was, it was a little pointy on the top and somehow I'd missed it. Put my knee right square in the middle of that. Yeah. Well, my number one. That fear, hurts so bad. I'm afraid that I'll air up my pad and get on it, and then a root or something will puncture through the tent and get the pad too. Tyvek, man. That's why I always feel around. That's the Tyvek will always go with me. Yeah. I, I, it's it's the one thing I don't care how ultra light I'm trying to be. There will always be Tyvek with me. Well, hopefully everybody learn at least a little something they could do to have a better time in the tent. And I, I will tell you. Seriously, if if you want to avoid all of these problems altogether, mm. don't tent camp and get a hammock. <laughs> Amen to that. I mean, I'm just saying, guess what? You don't have to check the floor for rocks and roots. Um, you don't have to worry about ventilation because hammocks are pretty well ventilated the way you set them up. Mm. Um, there's a lot of this stuff you pretty, don't have to, pretty much don't have to worry about. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the flat spot. Now, you do have to worry about the Widowmakers, though. Everybody has to worry about Widowmakers, yeah, though. I agree. That's... That that's just that's just common sense. Death is important. Yeah, yeah. So is life. That's right. So of the utmost. Make sure you do that. Jeremiah, this is a good time, man. Dude, good time. Had a fun time with you. We are three weeks away from episode two hundred. I can't wait. Episode two hundred, people. It's going to be a celebration. This is just crazy to me. I can't believe we're getting there, but we are super excited. So, for myself, for Jeremiah, the king of backpacking stringer, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Adios, folks.